episode 760. As the Green Bay Packers prepare for the NFC Championship game, interesting things are happening behind the scenes with future general manager Elliot Wolf getting a promotion and current general manager Ted Thompson MIA at the East-West Shrine game. To discuss this, we'll, we're talking to Paul Guillemette of the Great Blue North Draft Report. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. <laughs> Good morning, Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest Packers tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Caribou, and we're getting ready for the upcoming NFC Championship game against the Atlanta Falcons. To discuss that and a whole lot more going on with the Packers front office, we have a guest joining us on the show today. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? We have Paul Guillemet of the Great Blue North Draft Report. That's GBNReport.com. Paul, thank you so much for doing this. I think this is uh, uh, about five years in a row we've had this discussion before the East-West Shrine game. I think you're right, Brian. I think you're right. And let's let's hope that there are many more for both our sakes. <laughs> yes, let's hope so. Um, Paul, thank you for doing this. We're happy to have you on for a two-week engagement here. This week we'll talk about the Shrine Game. Next week we'll talk about the Senior Bowl. And uh, to those of you waiting for NFC Championship Game, we're going to get to that. But this is the show for the hardcore fans, so allow us to talk a little uh, about the Packers front office here to start off with. And Paul, as you've noted at GBNReport.com, Packers General Manager Ted Thompson is conspicuous by his absence at the East-West Shrine Game this week, which is atypical now, I think people hear that and they kind of try to read the tea leaves wondering if, you know, this means Elliot Wolf is the general manager now. And so could you talk about that speculation? But on top of that, if Ted Thompson isn't there and Elliot Wolf and Brian Gutekind have been dealing with this 49ers general manager job, who is representing the Packers this week in St. Pete? Um, I've only seen one person that I could tell you I would definitively define as a Packers scout down here. Uh, and that is unusual. I'm guessing, Brian, I'll read between the tea leaves. I think the first thing we can assume is that some of this is because the team obviously has a very important football game to play this weekend. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and indeed, Ted and the guys will get copies of film of all the practices and the games sent to them by the shrine people uh but you know i it was absolutely a shock to yours truly from the first year that i went to the senior bowl and as of next week that will be 20 years ago ted thompson has almost always been there not exactly because he didn't have the job when i first started going there um but every year that he's been employed as the packers gm vp head scout all the other things that go in his title he has been here i can like clockwork and i've reported this to you every year since the shrine game moved to florida eight years ago one of the first guys i see 
at the morning practice session on Monday, standing under the goalpost, is Ted Thompson. And he wasn't here Monday. I wrote it off as being, well, he was probably with the team in, in Dallas, probably probably went home with the team Sunday night. He'll probably fly in later today, Monday, and I'll see him Tuesday morning. Did not see him Tuesday morning. Did not see him Wednesday morning or afternoon. Spoke with other people that I know down there, and no one has seen him. So it's not my bad eyesight. He's not there. Now, in in his defense, and this was a bit of a surprise to me, there were fewer GM upper-level people here from the NFL in general than I'm used to. You only saw a couple of general managers, and they were people that don't come from too far away, like across the bay in Tampa. Uh, So perhaps... Perhaps it's because for some of us in the drafting community, the feeling is that this may be the weakest draft class, especially for seniors, in this decade. And perhaps more than a few people are staying home. Didn't see John Dorsey down here at all this past week. So maybe they're saving it for next week in Mobile. Maybe... People are putting emphasis elsewhere, but I don't, as long as you folks haven't heard that Ted got the flu or something of that nature, I'll just assume that there are bigger fish to fry for the Green Bay Packers. And the fact, as you mentioned, that if you've got Elliot Wolf and John Gutekunst going back and forth with the 49ers, you know, that takes effectively to some degree, it takes two guys out of the mix. And I know that when the teams get this far in the playoffs, it's all hands on deck. And even the scouts come in and help them break down film of of their opponent and such. So I guess I'll be cautiously optimistic, even though I'm one of the folks that has kind of said, you know, the time should be coming, in my opinion, that um, Ted maybe cuts it back to part time, goes back to Texas. They hook him up with a bunch of computers and electronics and leave him an office in green bay and they just say ted we still want you to be our number one man in the scouting department uh you come to green bay anytime you want to be here but we need we need to get elliot or john up there before we lose them and then you retire yeah it's going to be interesting how this all shakes out here but you do make a good point that Anything the Packers want to get done from a scouting standpoint, they can get film from all this. It's not as if being there is the most important thing in the world. The most important thing in the world this week is what's happening in Green Bay, getting ready for the NFC Championship game. But, Paul, we've got a lot of prospects to talk about, seeing as you've been there all week and have seen these guys in action. Let's start with the in-state kid, Wisconsin running back, Derry Ogunbowale, who already has experience playing at Lambeau Field, by the way. I'll just throw that in there for the Packers yes, connection. Yes, that's true. <laughs> um, but uh, let's tell me how he's looked this week. He's, he's looked just fine, Brian. He's, in fact, it's interesting because he's on the West team, which, which that's not the interesting part, but the West team, which I think is indicative of the way the NFL game has changed and how these all-star games try to accommodate 
what's going on in the NFL. All three, there are no fullbacks at this game. Okay. If they if they need a running game and a goal line situation, one of the tight ends will have to come back into the backfield probably. Uh, we won't get into those names. But anyway, all three of the running backs for the West squad, Dare, Eli McGuire from Louisiana Lafayette, and Joe Williams from Utah, the guy who retired and unretired, all three of them are just about as good, if not better, at catching the ball as they are running the ball. And all three of these guys, I think Williams is, is, is probably a tad faster than the other two and a little bit more talented, but the bottom line is Dare has looked fine. He's holding his own against two guys of very similar size and skill level, and I he's running hard. We had a little bit of a scare on Wednesday. He went down hard, and it looked like it was very close to in front of me because we get to be on the sidelines down here at the Shrine, and he let out a curse and was holding his ankle. Uh, but after limping around a little bit, I'm sure he got some treatment of some kind. And yesterday at practice, he looked normal. I would say basically Dare is in a situation where he's on the cusp of being seventh round draftable or being signed as a priority undrafted rookie free agent for, for next summer's training camp. He'll be, no question in my mind, he will be on an NFL roster come next summer. But Packers slash Badger fans should not sit there on draft weekend waiting every round to see his name taken. Uh, if, if it is, it's going to be late. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do think it probably helps him that uh, James White, a, uh, you know, who kind of came before him in Badger's lore and kind of – uh, is that from the same mold as a pass catching running back third to, you know, uh, third down type of back probably yes. helps them from that regard. Uh, a couple other guys I'm interested in uh, a couple of former Packers sons. One of them, Cincinnati quarterback, Gunner Keel, son of former Packers QB Blair Keel. And the other linebacker, Hardy Nickerson, the son of the former Packers linebacker, albeit probably better known for other teams he played for, but still uh, wore, wore the green and gold. Tell me about both these guys and how they've looked this week. Okay. Well, I will tell you that, A, it's, uh, thank God the Packers have Brett Hundley to develop as a backup, Ryan, because <laughs> the Packer, the, the quarterback class this year is not good. Even the senior bowl is not going to be uh, anywhere near, let's say, last year when Carson Wentz was there. Mm -hmm. um, Gunnar Keel uh, could be a character out of The Wizard of Oz. Uh, a, because he's traveled so much in his storied career. So he's a flying and, monkey. Uh, almost. <laughs> but B, he could actually be, he could serve the role of two of Dorothy's companions. Because it, there is no doubt, he is the most talented quarterback in the game this year. He's big. He's got a strong arm. 
There's no doubt about it. But like the people that hang with Dorothy, there are serious questions about both his head and his heart. And, you know, you can't really get the answers to those kind of questions. I did not I did not effort to speak to him. The only time that the media really gets a chance, unless you're staying at the very expensive resort hotel where the players are put up. So that leaves the Great Blue North out because our site's free. Um, we you don't you get a snippet of a one minute to talk to him after a practice kind of thing. And quite frankly, I'd rather go to somebody from, you know, Wisconsin or someplace that I'm interested in and talk with them for one and a half minutes than Keel. But, uh, you know, it certainly says something about the guy still. It's always been the question, I think, uh, you know, what's in his heart and what's in his head. And, you know, it, I think it speaks volumes, unfortunately, that here he was coming into his senior season at, at his third school, Cincinnati, and he had been with them as a junior. And the head coach, who's departed, so that tells you something, maybe, mm-hmm. but the head coach, Tommy Tuberville, tells him in the offseason that he doesn't like his attitude in the locker room or out in the huddle, and he's the four-string quarterback and is going to have to work his way back up. And Gunnar Keel finally got the starting job back in mid-November because of injuries to other players. But that's a sad commentary on a player. So he's the man. He looks the part. He can he can really spin the ball. He's got the strongest arm and, and most of the time the most accurate arm down here. But that may not be saying much. That may be by default as much as anything. Fair enough. And then Hardy Nickerson? Hardy Nickerson is a when it comes to heart and head he's the exact opposite of Gunnar Deal but he's a he's a tad small like his dad you know his dad was not a big boned Mm -hmm. 240 pound linebacker and uh, Hardy is athletic he's active I think he's a smart player who understands what's going on out there I just don't see, I did not see uh, watching a couple of Illini games last fall, and I did not see it here in practices. He just doesn't stand out, and he's not often the first guy to the ball and making an impact. He gets around, he gets tackles, uh, but he's, he's just, I'm not saying he's too small for the NFL, but I don't know that he's athletic enough to be outside and he's certainly not big enough to spend a lot of time on the inside. I thought he was a little bulked up, which isn't bad. He weighed 236 pounds officially here, but he was still five foot eleven and a half inches tall. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, he's he's got good sized hands, nine and seven eighths. So if if he were a little more a little more athletic, and could drop effectively into coverage, those hands might help him get some interceptions. I would say to you, Brian, he may be, because of his productivity in college, and he's doing it again down here, and his gene tree, which NFL people do pay attention to. I'm not the only guy that falls in love with somebody and their potential because their dad was in the NFL. And Hardy, I think, was you know, on the edge of a NFL Hall of Fame career for a while. Um, 
but I think Hardy Nickerson might get drafted in the last two or three rounds based on productivity and genes, but there are still going to be some serious questions. He's going to have to absolutely earn a roster spot in the NFL as a special team guy and developing himself as a intermediate coverage guy on third and fourth down for an NFL team. So he's, he's got a little bit, he's got a shot compared to Gunnar Keel, let's say, even though it's a different position, but I like him. He's active. He's smart. Okay. He's a good, he seems to be a good kid. Cool. Cool. Uh, good for him. Um, another guy I'm interested in is Central Michigan quarterback Cooper Rush. And uh, the connection I have here is uh, I, I think Rush was a, a good quarterback in college, but he never seemed to progress or get any better um, from his freshman yeah. year to his senior year. And I'm wondering how much of that is kind of a lack of development under John Bonamago, the former Packers assistant, who took yep. over that Central Michigan program, is that kind of an indictment of him uh, as a failure to develop his quarterback? It is possible, Brian, because I would tell you that the only two things working against Cooper Rush, nice size, 6'2 229, but relatively small hands. I know some people poo-poo that, but, but I'll stand by my belief that it's significant. And if I remember catching the stories correctly this week, uh, Mr. Rogers answered a question by holding up his hands and saying, guys, size matters. <laughs> um, and Cooper Rush's hands are under nine inches in spread. So it tells me that chances are, for half of the NFL teams that play outdoors and north of the Mason-Dixon line could be a little bit problematic when the ball gets wet and cold for somebody whose hands aren't even nine inches. Now, for instance, backtrack for just a second, mm -hmm. Gunnar Keel had the biggest hands of the quarterbacks down here. You know, so that's another thing that kind of plays into the favor. Um, but I think you may be onto something. I think Cooper Rush might be a late draftee because as we saw last year in the NFL draft where a record 15 quarterbacks were drafted, there's such a need in the NFL for quarterbacks, even backup quarterbacks, which might be something Cooper Rush could look to at the NFL level. Um, the biggest problem with Cooper, and this might clearly be an indication of lack of coaching is biggest sin that he has is he doesn't seem to read the field very quickly. He holds the ball too long in practice. Coaches were literally in his face because unless he saw somebody wide open, he was hesitant to cut that ball loose and he would hold it and they just have to blow, you know, and they don't want them to run per se. So the, the coaches would just, you, you'd hear them yelling, where he should throw it, and then they would just blow the whistle before somebody hit him by mistake or he took off and, and fell. So that might play into your theory that some of this might be lack of coaching, and I would say you're right on with that observation, much like 
over the years, some of the better athletes that the Badgers had, like a Brooks Bollinger, came on, made an impression as a freshman, and they weren't a whole heck of a lot better by their senior year when they left. Yeah. And we know that was coaching, you know. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, a uh, guy I'm interested in here, Austin Carr and the uh, Packers connection here that I think people just might might draw draw uh, the connection here. He was named the Richter Howard Big Ten Wide Receiver of the Year. Uh, of course, the award being named after a former Packers wide receiver, Desmond Howard. So this may be a stretch here, but people yeah, just see that. But anyway. Um, Austin Carr, uh, good looking wide receiver at Northwestern. How's he looked, uh, in, in, uh, St. Pete. Good looking wide receiver down here. He will, I will be putting together this morning. How about here's a plug, Brian, for both of us. Uh, if fans want to check out by this afternoon, um, the GBN report.com website, I'm putting together my all practice team for the week. Okay. Um, and one of the two wide receivers is Austin Carr from Northwestern. He has looked good. Uh, first day or so, dropped one or two balls, but that's not uncommon because you've got new quarterbacks working with all new wide receivers. So the throws aren't always great initially. Timing isn't there yet. And, you know, the, the receiver does need, in my opinion, uh, at these kind of levels heading into the NFL, uh, you need, you know, receiver relies greatly on understanding the timing of the quarterback throws, the spin of the ball as he throws it, all those kind of things. I didn't see him drop too many balls from that point on. I would label him a possession receiver, but he gets good separation more often than not. And if you sleep on him, he can get deep and catch some deeper balls. I wouldn't call him a home run threat, but um you know he's going to get some texas league doubles i'll put it that way um and i think most other people down here uh, thought highly of him too and the final analysis the other thing that i think cements the positive vibes at least uh, for me was that he measured in as a full-size wide receiver football player he was six feet and one eighth inch tall, weighed 201 pounds, had nine and a quarter hands. So once you, you know, once you get over nine inches, you're okay. Mm-hmm. And a little bit, a little bit short on the arms, 30 and five eighth inches. But I think with him, Brian, if, if he can have a good game and yeah, you know, the game does matter. People you know, they, they play football in pads and they keep score. And so I'm one of the proponents that a game does matter. I think going into the combine that, and I think, I think he's elevated himself enough already, Brian, that he will be at the combine, which we might not have said two months ago. I think if he can at least be in the middle of the pack running, you know, let's say at least at, at the least a four, five, maybe a four, four, eight, then I think he has a strong chance to be highly draftable. Uh, you know, second, a third day. Uh, we're talking, we're talking Shrine Game here, and other than a handful of guys, and if we talk about any, I'll point them out. Okay, other than a handful of guys, most of these guys are going to be Saturday draftees, rounds four through seven. Yeah. You know who he reminds me of is a, another Badgers wide receiver, Alex Erickson. 
and yeah. you saw how he made an impact with yep. the Cincinnati Bengals this year. So the, those type of guys can, you know, oh, yeah. get yeah. a niche in the NFL. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think he's better than Erickson, but I like I do, your yeah. comparison. I yeah. like your comparison, though. Uh, all right, a little defense here. Uh, Louisiana Tech safety Xavier Woods in 2015, he made up one half the safety tandem at Louisiana Tech alongside current Packer safety Kentrell Bryce. Maybe the folks at Louisiana Tech appreciated that, but this had to be one of the most under the radar safety groups in the nation back then, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it certainly looks like it now, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, he's he's a good, solid player. He's a little bit small. And and it and when I say that, I'm going to qualify and say he's a little bit small when I look at him out on the field. He measured okay at the weigh-in. Um, he you know he came in just under five eleven, so he's a little bit short. And here's the part that I found hard to believe watching him out there, Brian. He weighed in at 203 pounds, and he doesn't look like a 200 pound safety. I would have said to you he's five foot eleven max and 190 pounds, but he weighed a little bit more and he does hit. Uh, and, he, and he's, you know, his hands are a little bit small, eight and five eighth inches. So I would just say, given that size, don't expect NFL fans, don't expect this guy to come in and be an interception machine. I think his value is going to be. I think he's going to time pretty well. He looks quick to me. I'm not worried about his 40-yard dash, but I think he's going to do quite well with the with like the short shuttle and some of those kinds of things. Again, I think he is a solid third-day draft pick with good athleticism. I think he'll be a a good tough special teams player. I worry just a tad that they'll be able to throw over the top on him because again, he's not quite 5'11" and I also think he he could be his looking at that frame. He could be a guy that will find it difficult to play the style of game, which is very aggressive that he did in college and get away with that physically at the NFL level. I wish him all the best of luck. Um, Paul, uh, as we wrap up our discussion here, uh, just a quick question. Who who was the best prospect, you think, there uh, down in Florida this week? Uh, maybe the guy who you think may get drafted the highest out of all of them. Well, how about if I – I'll try to do it quickly and not get too carried away. How about if I give you the guy we thought was the best coming in? Okay. And then something happened to change our mind and then who I thought was right behind him. And now I think he's the tops. Okay. Um, we all felt we being draft Nick standing on the sideline and chit chatting that perhaps the, the best overall prospect here was Avery Genesee, a left tackle from Texas A&M. And let's face it, uh, offensive line at Texas A&M has become kind of a legacy situation yes uh some have worked out great some have worked out okay but in the last in this decade i think genesee will be the fourth offensive tackle from texas a&m that's got a chance to be a top 100 draft pick um however then we got to the weigh-in on monday and the numbers got released he stands six foot three inches tall 
Brian, that would make him the shortest offensive tackle in the NFL. Hmm. Uh, just behind David Bakhtiari, who's a six foot four and a fraction. He weighs 308 pounds, so that's okay on a six foot three frame. Uh, and his arms are 33 inches, which is just barely NFL tackle ideal or stereotype length. We are now of the impression, general consensus, and after watching him, he's going to have to move inside the offensive guard. He may make a very good offensive guard in the NFL once he gets used to the position, Mm -hmm. but he's only going to be an emergency offensive tackle with his current size. So that was a disappointment. We all thought he might be a second-round draft pick. He's going to have to go some to even be a third-rounder. Now, the pleasant surprise, but his career is dogged by nagging injury after nagging injury. There is a kid here from Arkansas by the name of Dietrich Wise. Dietrich Wise looks and plays at times for all the world like Jadavian Clowney to me. He's six foot four and seven eighth inches long. He has an 85-inch wingspan. Yeah, I mean, basically, Brian, he looks like a a, a Dirk Nowitzki kind of guy, (laughs) okay? Um, 275 pounds. His number one attribute is rushing the passer. He's got 35-inch long arms, which means his arms are as long or longer than most offensive linemen. And with that 85-inch wingspan, Brian, if he doesn't get to the quarterback, if he jumps, they can't get the ball over or around him. Ten and three-eighth-inch hands. When he was on the field in some of the seven-on-seven and 11-on-11s, he was dominant. And I really do think on at Wednesday's practice, he looked like Jadevian Clowney did in the Houston playoff games. This kid, I think, going to be second round is my guess, and it's going to be incredibly important when they check out his shoulders, arms, and lower legs at the Combine Medical. But this guy looked to me by far have the best combination of athleticism and size. And I was high on Clowney. I think he's really starting to develop in the NFL. This guy could do the same things that he does. Very cool. Uh, We'll keep tabs on him and watch him on Saturday during the game. Uh, Paul, uh, last thing here, uh, seeing as it is the NFC Championship game, uh, it's a good thing to have. You're focusing on the future here. But your your team is the Green Bay Packers, so yeah, um, yeah. Let let me get your thoughts here on what you think is going to transpire this Sunday. Well, my my heart says maybe Aaron can be Superman one more week, mm-hmm. and uh, the Falcons haven't been here before. Uh, most of the ones on this team, at least, their defense is not exactly dominant, just like the Packers, but they can turn it on. Mm-hmm. Um, my gut tells me uh, it's just a matter of time before all these wide receiver and secondary issues start to catch up with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I hope it's the off season before it really sinks in how tough a shape they're in. But I would I would have to say I think the Falcons win. I think it'll be 
the reverse of the Packers Cowboys game score wise, you know, like a 35, 31 kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But I, but I will say this, I think the key to this game, assuming Aaron is able to do what he's been doing and they can hold up and score some points. To me, the key to this game is Don Capers has got to put pressure, pressure, more pressure on Matt Ryan because Matt Ryan in the pocket moves like Tom Brady. He doesn't. And if you can contain him, if you can get in his line of vision with tall guys like Peppers, if you can get Matthews making him move off his spot so that he's off balance when he tries to make his throws, I think you got a chance to get some turnovers out of Matt Ryan and his offense. I hope that's the case. Paul? Uh, Is that a... Do you want to have anything more to add? Nope. Okay. I just hope, <laughs> well, I just hope we'll they, leave it I, there. I hope they win. I'm looking for my hard sell Super Bowl, having been raised in New England. I want to have the tough, tough task of deciding whether I'm rooting for my childhood Patriots or my adult life Packers in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Paul, thank you so much for joining us. We'll talk to you next week again from the site of the Senior Bowl. So uh, thanks for your time, and uh, hopefully we're talking about the Packers and the Pats in the Super Bowl. I, I hope so. Thanks for having me, and I hope I see Ted at, at, in Mobile. I'll feel <laughs> yeah. a lot better. Okay. Sounds good. Take, Take care, Brian. Yep. See ya. Pigskin Paul Guillemet uh, of the Great Blue North Draft Report. That's gbnreport.com. Give him a follow on Twitter at pigskinpaul, uh, at pigskinpaul. And, uh, yeah, uh, thanks for him for joining us today. Thanks for you, the listener, joining us. And uh, thanks for uh, your patience in a little bit of NFL draft talk here. Uh, this is a little bit different Packers podcast than usual. Uh, I promise, though, uh, because we spent so much time uh, talking draft here, um, that we'll, we'll, we'll go a little bit extra today to talk about the NFC Championship game. But first, I'll tell you, Vince, what's going on out here. But before we get to the NFC Championship game, just wanted to get everybody on the same page here in terms of the Packers front office Packers executive Elliot Wolf has pulled himself out of consideration for the 49ers general manager job reported uh, first on Thursday by Tom Pelissero of USA Today and according to Bob McGinn of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel Wolf pulled out when it became apparent he wasn't going to be hired so perhaps that might be an eye-opener to people who think Elliot Wolf should become the Packers' general manager post-haste. Apparently not everyone agrees with that opinion uh, or the opinion that he should be an NFL general manager right now, including those who work in the NFL and have interviewed Wolf personally. That doesn't mean he won't be a very good general manager in due time, but it might mean he's not quite ready for that position yet. Wolf has reportedly received a promotion his third in five years from the Packers, which apparently includes a raise in his salary. So you can look at it from that angle and think the succession plan is still in place. Interestingly enough, fellow Packers executive Brian Gutekunst is believed to be the front, ran- front runner for the 49ers general manager job. 
So the Packers might be losing a member of their front office after all, and you wonder if perhaps he might hire some scouts from Green Bay to take with him. But that's getting ahead of ourselves. He's currently one of three people coming back for a second interview. Have to imagine the 49ers will make a decision on that probably after this weekend, uh, uh, after this weekend's NFC and AFC championship games. Um, but okay, uh, NFC championship game talk here um, and my prediction on the game. Everyone thinks this is going to be a high-scoring game, and it very well might be that type of situation where the first to 40 points wins. Uh, I think you'll probably hear that a lot this week. Um, The thing that scares me about the Falcons is their receiving core, and it goes beyond just Julio Jones, arguably the best receiver in the NFL, Jones, of course, hasn't practiced this week with a foot injury, although no one expects him to miss Sunday's game. But all you've got to do is go back to the Packers-Falcons matchup in the regular season. The Packers in that game limited Jones to a mere three catches for 29 yards, but it's not like they shut down the entire Falcons offense. It doesn't revolve strictly around Julio Jones, The Falcons still have Mohamed Sanu. They still have Taylor Gabriel, each of whom scored a touchdown against the Packers in the regular season. And that's going to be a challenge for the Packers secondary that had its share of struggles this season. So that's what worries me about the Packers. But here's where my confidence comes in. There's no second guessing about the Packers offense. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to rock no matter who lines up at wide receiver, especially in a domed environment in Atlanta. The same site, by the way, where Rodgers had one of the best games of his career in the playoffs back in 2010. And I think he could duplicate that this weekend. I think the Packers defense, as they've showed down the stretch this year, will come up with at least one big play that will take a key possession away from the Falcons. It happened against the Seahawks when the Packers had a bunch of interceptions back in the regular season. It happened in the regular season finale in Detroit when Micah Hyde came up with the red zone interception. It happened again with Micah Hyde last week when he picked off Dak Prescott in the divisional round of the playoffs. It happened with Julius Peppers in his strip sack of the Bears late in the regular season. Now, this is not a great Packers defense, but it has come up with key turnovers and stops in key moments this season. And I think they're good enough to do that again It's just a matter of who will be the hero this week. It's hard to predict. You know, it's it's never the same person. It seems like one time it's Micah Hyde and then it's Julius Peppers. And maybe this is the time Clay Matthews breaks out once again. Uh, He's he's been so quiet. And then all of a sudden it was who is it against Chicago? He had the big game. Uh, he's gone quiet again. Maybe it's time for him to, to break back out, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's, uh, Demarius Randall who came up with the big interception in the wild card round. Maybe it's Joe Thomas. Who's been, you know, so good 
as a pass coverage linebacker for the Packers, filling in for when when Jake Ryan and Blake Martinez were hurt. Maybe it's Mike Daniels, who's just been solid as solid can be all season long and basically all career long. We'll see who the hero is this week, but I think somebody will step up and make that big turnover or a third down stop that forces them to punt or a fourth down stop that forces a turnover on downs. You know, there's so many variables. You you don't know what way the, the big stop or the big turnover is going to come. But I just know the Packers are talented enough to do that. And it's going to take a possession away from the Falcons. And it's going to allow Aaron Rodgers to outscore them. I, I think the Packers offense is going to be nearly unstoppable. I'm not going to guarantee they score on every possession or something like that. But when you got you know, him dialed in when you got Mason Crosby dialed in on, on field goals. If they're, if they're held to that Packers are going to put a lot of points up on the scoreboard. My final score prediction for this game, Packers 38 Falcons, 34, not quite 40 points. The first of 40 didn't win here, but still a high scoring game from both teams here. And what should be a fun one. Uh, and I see the fun continuing for the green Bay Packers. I, I, I tell you, I never would have thought this when the Packers were four and six, but now I can't pick against them. Uh, they're just on this roll, and uh, I can't see any. I can't see the Falcons stopping them this week. Uh, we'll worry about. We'll cross the Super Bowl bridge when we get to it. Uh, but first, the Packers got to get through this. All right. The day ahead. Once again, because it's the NFC Championship game, there's some extra media coverage this week. And in addition to Mike McCarthy's Friday press conference that'll be streamed live on Packers.com at 9.50 a.m. Central Time, quarterback Aaron Rodgers will hold a second press conference this week, something that typically doesn't happen. His presser will be streamed live at 2.45 p.m. Central Time on Friday, so take note of that. Uh, Once again, streamed live at Packers.com. I don't believe this one's going to be live on the NFL Network, or I haven't heard if it is at least, uh, unlike the the press conference earlier in the week. So uh, I guess you'd have to check for yourself on that one. But the Packers will also release their final injury report of the week on Friday. And I think Packers fans are particularly interested in what's going on with the wide receivers. Of course, everyone is acutely aware of Jordy Nelson and his two broken ribs. But he's practiced on a limited basis this week and expect that to continue. Devontae Adams hasn't practiced at all, which has been a mild surprise because he was able to return to action this past Sunday after temporarily being knocked out of the game against the Cowboys. And then Geronimo Allison was the surprise addition to the injury report, uh, although There doesn't appear to be much doubt that either Adams or Allison will miss Sunday's game. Still things still up in the air for Jordy Nelson. But uh, before we worry about whether they're playing in the game, first we got to get, you know, wonder what they're getting through on practice uh, on Friday, on Saturday, if the Packers update their final injury report, we'll see. Um, but uh, that that's kind of been the injury attention this week. Um, 
But that, yeah, that's what's on tap for the Green Bay Packers on Friday in the game on Sunday. On Fox, it's uh, just after a 2 o'clock p.m. Uh, Central Time kick. So enjoy the game, folks. Uh, and uh, hopefully on Monday, we will be talking about a Green Bay Packers victory. And if you want to watch the Shrine game, that's on Saturday on the NFL Network as well. So lots of football to take in this weekend. Maybe not as much as uh, uh, other weeks, but still lots of uh, uh, big games this weekend uh, with the Packers in the NFC Championship and uh, Pats and Steelers on the AFC side of the bracket. So enjoy it, folks. Have a good weekend. We'll see you later. My call to action. All right. So. Those of you who have followed B-Rock Madison on Facebook, the last episode I promoted, today I've got a very similar goal, and that's to get those of you on Twitter now to give us a follow. The Twitter handle is B-Rock Madison. Uh, that's B-I-E-R-O-C-K, uh, B-Rock Madison, the city. Um, we've got lots of cool things coming down the pike. The the to-be-opened uh, tavern in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, so look forward to that. Um, uh, I, I hope to share lots of behind the scenes things in the weeks and months to come. So, uh, thank you. Those of you who have, who have given us a follow on social media, uh, do it on Facebook and now today on Twitter. Uh, so thank you so much, uh, to those of you who have done that as we try to help to spread the word, We'll see you, folks. Like I said, have a good weekend. On behalf of everybody at Cheesehead TV, I'm Brian Kiravu. I leave you today with a song called All Inside by Kyle Hollingsworth on Sci Fidelity Records. See everyone. Go, pack, go. Go, pack, go.